Good morning, everyone. Um, Mike is continuing our study of Proverbs today, so I'm going to read some of those for you. Um, You can follow along in your bulletin. Do you have a little handout? Um, In honor of God's word, will you please stand? In Proverbs, it says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Plans are established by seeking advice. So if you wage war, obtain guidance. In Matthew 12, 34 through 35, it says, For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And in John 1, 1 and 14, we're reminded of this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the reading of God's Word. Good morning, Watermark. Uh, Glad you all made it this morning. It's pretty nice out there, at least it was when, uh, when I got out of, uh, got, got out of the house. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like beach weather today, so it's great that you made it to church instead. Um, well, our, our teaching pastor, Tobin, is currently traveling. Uh, he'll be back in about two weeks. Uh, so my name is Mike, and I'm working with a college student, so uh, I'm filling in for him. And next week, we'll have Eric come up and speak and share about uh, youth and family a little bit and what we find in the Proverbs about that. Um, we also have a big group of teachers here with us, so if you haven't been here last week and you met them, then maybe you have a chance this week. Uh, they're here with the English Language Institute, uh, sharing uh, just their lives with uh, some of the middle school students here in Hong Kong for the next few weeks and teaching. Uh, so we're really thankful for you guys being here and serving with us and uh, yeah, just, just serving alongside um, the church. Um, at the beginning of, of the message, I, I just wanted to share a little story that, that happened this, this past week um, as Jeremy mentioned, we have been talking about the sermon series for a while with the staff. And so after the last conversation I had with the staff, I got this WhatsApp message from one of our staff, mes- uh, staff members, and she was standing in line in, in, in the bank. And so right in front of her was this elderly lady, and uh, the lady had two grandkids with her. And suddenly the, the elderly lady turned to another stranger in line and uh, said, Oh, look at my grandkids. They are stupid, like empty rice bowls. Totally useless. When when I hear that kind of stories, uh, I always wonder, like, what is happening in in that 
in, in these kids, like in these like little souls. Like words are really powerful. Uh, Proverbs 18.21 actually says, death and life are in the power of words. You know, life's, um, words can give us life and they can tear us down. You know, they can hurt us and, and they can build us up uh, or bring healing. When you think about your own life, um, maybe you have experiences where words have had an impact on you and you may recall some of these moments where there are certain words that just, suck, just stick with you. Um, maybe it's something your parents said, maybe just a one-time thing or over and over again, and these words just stick with you and make you feel useless or like a failure. Or maybe just some recent words uh, in your family, like maybe with your spouse, and you just re recall like an, an argument and you just... Uh, just feel that you, the emotion again rising up about uh, the words that have been said. Maybe it's just like the disrespectful or downgrading words of a boss um, that really just hit you and um, make you not even want to go to work or the gossip of a friend um, that yeah, just something that they said about you back. Or it's even words that you said yourself and now that you think about like, certain words, um, you just regret it. And you, you, you wish you would have just haven't, wouldn't have said it. Sometimes I'm just surprised, uh, like in that story um, uh, in the bank, how, how people use words. Um, there was another similar story, like uh, a few years ago, I lived in Kowloon City, and I had this elderly uh, retired couple um, as neighbors. And about once a week, in the middle of the night, she would start yelling at him at the top of her lungs, and sometimes like an hour long. And uh, when I had uh, Cantonese-speaking friends over, like, they, they would always... Um, listen to it, and then they giggle, and then they would translate and say, oh, yeah, she said that. Why, why have I ever gotten married to you? And you are so useless. And a lot of things I don't even want to repeat here. Um, but she went on and on, and I didn't even know like, how many ways uh, you can say that I don't even want to be married to you um, over and over again. So I'm just startled how, how words are used. And there are certain ways of how words are used in Hong Kong differently to, to where, I'm, where I come from. So some of these encounters... Um, I might not understand so well. Um, it's just foreign to me and uh, how people talk, maybe in Chinese culture or German-American culture. Uh, some parents may say, oh, you know, that's the way of how I show love. Uh, it's the way of how I want to motivate my kids to do better. I don't want them to be too prideful. Uh, so I was thinking about this book called The Five Love Languages. Uh, some of you may have heard of that, and it's written by an American author for an American audience, so I don't know how much apply it applies to like world world worldwide culture, but it's basically talking about five different ways of how people show that they care and love. And one of these five love languages is called the words of affirmation. So words that are uplifting and encouraging. Uh, and so I hear these stories and I wonder whether um, in a different setting you may have to have like words of humiliation uh, that show that you really love and care. But every culture, even like sometimes in a family culture, uh, you have this specific culture with a set of values and principles that you apply. Um, and it's, it's a certain way of how you speak and how you use words. Uh, I have my own experiences about how words have been used in my family. I, I never really could recall a memory where my dad ever got loud. He never raised his voice. He never really got angry. I was always pretty calm at home. And that's probably why I have a hard time relating to some of the stories. But what I'm describing is not like the perfect happy, happy family. Even so, the words were not loud. There were a lot of very hurtful words that were said as well. Uh, one of the moments that I remember pretty well was the day of my high school graduation. And so that day I was called up on stage and uh, I was awarded as the second best student uh, to graduate. And so when I got back home, my dad said, 
you could have been first if you would, worked, would have worked harder. And I think a lot of people here can probably relate to that in, in, you know, in the setting. I think the Prussian system of how my father raised his family was similar to how some uh, Asian families um, are raised as well. And I've struggled for, for quite a while in my life with that feeling of maybe not really being good enough and being a failure. Um, I don't really remember uplifting words uh, in my family, uh, words that um, my dad would say that he's proud of me or uh, that he believes in, in, in who I am and what I do. And, and words have power. Um, once you release words, they have kind of like this power on their own and th that they develop. You cannot take them back. And in that life on their, on their own that, that they have, and it's kind of planted in the souls of other people, they begin to tear down or, or build a person up. But as I said, um, it's different cultures have different values. And uh, currently we are in this, in this uh, journey of uh, looking at Proverbs. We are looking at the kingdom perspective in the Proverbs, and we have looked at wealth and uh, different topics and, and how a kingdom perspective looks like. And then today we are looking at what does a kingdom perspective look like in the topic of words. Now, so what, what do I mean by kingdom perspective? Uh, if you have been here for the last two weeks, you, uh, you probably know a little bit more, but let me just repeat that again. So we are trying to look at not what words um, are supposed to be used and how words are supposed to be used from a German or Chinese or American perspective, but what does the kingdom of God say? What does kind of God's culture say about the use of words. Now, there are certain values that we, we can, can apply from, uh, from, from how God thinks about that. And so we, we use an illustration that uh, hopefully you can get up here again. Uh, it's that rug that uh, we have been looking at. Um, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get that in a while. Um, so we have this picture up there with a rug. And so when you look at a, at a rug from the back, you basically see that there are like these like knots and colors that are little like merged together, and uh, you can't really see fully the picture that's on the other side. Um, and that's kind of like how, how we look at life. Some of the things don't make sense. We don't really see the perspective that God has. God looks at life and being all-knowing and um, yeah, understanding the, the world from his perspective. He can see the beautiful picture of even how words should be spoken. But our culture is broken. We live in a broken word, world, and words we use uh, sometimes don't come out. Like some of us, uh, here you see the, the two different pictures. So we are a little bit more like the picture on the right. And some of us may say, I'm a really good communicator. Tobin actually said the same thing. I, I always think I'm a really good communicator until my wife tells me I'm not. Um, and that's, I think, how it is with so many words we use. We think we say something very clearly, but so many things kind of like get lost in translation of just from us to the other person. So we're realizing that a lot of words that we use, um, they just don't come across the way we want. So we want to see what can we, can we learn to see more clearly um, how we communicate and what are words and how are words spoken um, in light of what God, um, yeah, how God sees words. It's kind of funny to me to use a sermon, um, a lot of words, to talk about the biblical perspective on words. Because one of the things that the Proverbs and throughout the Bible is being said that don't use too many words. Uh, be wise with the way uh, you use words. Because the more words you say, the more danger is there that the words you say may be miscommunicating and hurting and uh, yeah, just bringing more, more hurt. So in Proverbs 12, 18, it actually says, there are those who chatter on like a stabbing sword. And I'll take a few chunks first um, out of some of the Proverbs that kind of look at more at the negative elements of how, how words are used. And we look at the other parts a little bit later. But so here it says, those who chatter on 
um, there are those who chatter on like stabbing sword. Now, if you, uh, like me, are a very kind of like, social person, you like being around people, and um, yeah, you just find it life-giving to you know, sit down and have a long conversation, then you may struggle with this a little bit. And maybe you can relate to the experience of sitting somewhere and starting to talk, and then you talk and talk, and after a while you say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, maybe, maybe I said too much here. Um, I think there's a really good question that, that uh, you can ask yourself uh, whether this is something that you struggle with. Uh, I sometimes ask myself, where do I go when I have a negative experience? Uh, so when I'm upset or worried, what do I do with that? Uh, it's kind of like, oh, you know, something happens to you and you get really worried and really upset and, and someone walks by and says, oh, hey, Ian, well, seriously, I need to tell you something that just happened. Or... Or you get, get on your phone and like maybe the first thing you do when you're really worried and upset is, I need to call my mom. Or I need to call my best friend and it's really vent about like what just happened with my boss or with my friends. Or maybe you are like in the more modern generation and you get on Facebook and, and you change your status to, I'm so upset, just don't ask me what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to, you know, the emotions just kind of like take over and... Um, you just want to talk about it, and you just want to let it out, and suddenly these words become, you know, a chattering, and then they can become stabbing swords because in our anger and that first uh, hint of emotion that is still there, uh, we just start talking about things that we shouldn't talk about, and the heatedness of the moment kind of like takes over. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven says, "The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint." I can sometimes hard um, to not let our response be driven by our feelings. Um, Maybe we just need to learn to kind of like take a deep breath. And then we just need to learn that the first person we probably should go to is God. I find that really hard because like the tangible situation of, you know, talking to my wife or talking to a friend is so much more real to digest everything. But really just taking a breath and taking these emotions to God and let him take that first edge off. Um, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And so I think it's a good indicator to to ask ourselves, is that what we do? But you may say, actually, I don't really struggle with that so much. I'm always pretty calm, and uh, uh, when I get angry, I'm kind of getting quiet. I'm not really, really so confrontational, so I just, you know, don't do that. Uh, it doesn't apply to me. So here's another proverb. How good is a timely word? In my life, I have learned to avoid words. So I mentioned how I grew up in a house um, with very little fighting. One of the reasons was because my dad was the boss of the house. He was the authority. And he would, if he would say something, that would be nothing to argue about. There would be no, no argument, argument or disagreements with that. So my only response to whenever there was something going on was to be quiet, to walk away. But words need to come at one point because the hurt is there and some healing needs to happen in one way or the other. So if you turn around 1523, it would also say, how bad if a timely word does not come? So out of my upbringing, um, I didn't learn a healthy way of talking about hurt. So it took me quite a while to really relearn that later on in life, not to avoid all conflict and to walk away and yeah, just um, to give people a silence treatment. So when you think about relationships in your life, maybe relationships with your parents or with your siblings, with your spouse, maybe relationships um, in, in your workplace or in, in close friendships. 
Where do you see yourself more? Like, is it more that there are relationships in uh, which you just see yourself more on the side of like digesting more words and you know, chattering and uh, letting out the emotions? Or do you find more, I have a hard time even saying words. Now, let's, let's kind of like uh, address and explore a little bit more of these, uh, these proverbs. Um, in 15.4, it says, a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. This adds, an, adds an, a different element. Um, have, you, have you met people that are very good with words? Like they can take your words and actually twist them around and you walk away, ah, I didn't even want to say that, but um, they took it that way. Or that are really good at manipulating through their words. Or even lie and deceive through the words they say. When I was reading this proverb, I had to think of one of my colleagues. It's 15 years ago, but it's so interesting how it sticks with me that there was this one person that I worked with in the bank. And every time we started talking, suddenly that the conversation shifted to that one person that was not in the room. And then we would be on a coffee break or lunch table and people would start talking and suddenly again, you know, you would just talk about the flaws of whoever was not there. And I was 20 years old uh, when, I, when I started working there. And at that time, it kind of seemed like a revelation when I first thought, what happens when I'm not in the room? You know, there, there are these um, reasons that we have for, for saying words. And now I look back and I really wondered, like, what was she so insecure about? Like, what? What did she, why did she need that? Um, was she unhappy with herself and with her life? And what are the words that she may have needed in her life to be spoken to her to not feel like she has to push everyone down? And so even when I find myself using words that are crushing to others, I kind of like wonder, like, what's up, up in my heart? What's going on in my life um, that I need to work on? So if we continue in, in that kind of uh, proverb, there's a pro proverb that in 2019 that says, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. I actually believe that one of the greatest challenges in church today is um, that we don't really have safe places. It's actually a problem that we have all in the world. But when we come to church, we think of it, oh, this should be a safe place. But just thinking about the relationships in, uh, in, in church or you know, in your community groups, maybe in your own family. Uh, you may wonder, is it really that safe for me to really be who I am? Uh, you think of the, of the divorce rate and you, you wonder, should I even tell my spouse everything because maybe one thing that breaks apart and then, oh, she has like all the power of like, knowing everything about me. This all reminds me of that story in, in the first chapters of the Bible. Right in the beginning, after God creates humankind, it says, and they were all naked and felt no shame. And I think what it really talks about is that people were stripped naked in their soul and standing in front of God, and God, who is all-knowing and who knows everything already, he's right there, and there was no embarrassment, no place uh, for feeling uh, yeah, just, just shame or, or embarrassment. We can be safe in his presence, but the story could goes on. And then Adam and Eve, that relationship with God and them breaks apart. And now the next thing that happens, because their trust is broken, they suddenly hide behind that bush and they cover all their shame and they are in hiding. And even today we are in hiding. Like there are ba barely any people that say, I can yeah, just be stripped naked in my soul and just let people know everything about me. Instead we... We wear a mask and we try to protect ourselves and make sure that 
that, uh, yeah, we cannot be humiliated and embarrassed by others. So we keep hiding. And as I said, I have seen that in church as well, that people um, entrust themselves to others, uh, maybe even to the pastor, and then their souls are crushed, crushed and their confidence is broken. The Bible calls us to be one body. And uh, when one part of the body is hurting, then all is hurting. So it talks about how maybe you're bleeding in your marriage, in your relationships. Maybe you're just suffering in your financial situation. You, know, you struggle with uh, secret sins and the body should be there and bring healing and bring restoration to the whole body and, and embrace the people and lift them up. Um, yeah, just out of, out of their hurting. At Watermark, we, we desire that. We desire community and uh, the inward focus and community is such an essential element of what, what we want to stand for. And we hope that the community groups that you join, that, that there would be a place where you find that kind of safety. Uh, where people around you like, have the love of Christ and surround you with the love of Christ. Uh, where you can be real and be safe. But where we fall short of that, it's because we are fallen people. And so I just want to say sorry if you have walked through church experiences, whether here or anywhere else, and, and you have gotten hurt and you have gotten disappointed. And I just encourage you to take a step forward in yeah, just uh, allowing a place of safety uh, to be built in your life again. And if you have been hurt in, in your friendships and your relationships, I just pray that you would find the strength again uh, to move forward and finding community in the way that, that God designs it for and desires it for us. Proverbs 12.25, and this is the last one that I want to use in, in that, that um, first part of the message, is that the 12.25 says that anxiety makes the heart of a person depressed, but a kind word cheers it up. And so anxiety and fear and depression, when you hear these words, they all mean something very different to all of us here. Some may not relate to it so much, but for some it may be very, very close to home. Um, like for me, I think when I read through that proverb, it connects with a lot of things because I've been ministering to students for the last seven years here in the city and it seems like a reoccurring theme that people wor uh, worry about and uh, deal with. For most of my life, I've been a pretty positive person. I've not really been too anxious. I thought I can deal with, it, with most things. and um, yeah, Depression was something that I couldn't really relate to either. But uh, several years ago, there was a time where God allowed me to walk, to walk through a season of my life where um, I started to connect with many of the things. Uh, I realized that I have put myself in an environment where it was not very healthy. Um, I had moved to a different place. I didn't really know a lot of people. People didn't know me so well. And so and I started to be in a place where I just started working and living life, but not being known. And now I worked under a boss uh, that, that was very manipulative. Um, and when we had a disagreement, started uh, discussing these disagreements, I realized that every place that I, I went to trying to find like, some help with the personnel department and the leadership, they were all very close friends to him. And uh, I realized that in that whole situation, I was very alone. So anxiety built up in me. Like, when I went to, to work, um, I would get really nervous just being on the bus to work and wondering like, what will happen today. And uh, I was afraid of losing the job and, and the relationships that it built over the years. And so over weeks, depression built up in me. And so as I was walking through that, I realized I don't really have a lot of people that know me. Uh, I don't really have people that can tell me words that speak into my situation because people don't know my situation. 
I didn't have people in my life that would speak the truth that there's nothing to worry. It's okay to step out of the situation. It's actually okay um, because God has you know, still so many things that he will do in your life. There's nothing to fear about because you, because you are, are safe in God and your identity is not shaken um, by losing any of this. So I've learned that it is impor important to um, include people in my life that can speak into uh, these times in, in, in my life and who know me and they don't act based on kind of like their own insecurities and agendas, but they act because they have a clear vision, a God vision on, on the situation I'm in. So they can point me on a kingdom perspective in the words they use. So at this stage, we have looked at a couple of, uh, of proverbs. Uh, we've examined kind of like how they can be hurtful and tearing people down. We have looked at like what it means to actually use wise words and um, timely words. And we looked at um, how, this, how we need to be cautious in who we allow to speak words and in what time um, into our lives. And the people that speak these words need to know us, really. Uh, before we kind of go a little bit more into uh, looking into the kingdom uh, perspective and, and what, what these positive words are and, and what this, this God culture is about, I actually want to invite um, Jason and Natalie and Jason Jr. up on stage. Now they'll be sharing with us for a few minutes just on their life journey, uh, how words have influenced kind of like their life, uh, the positive and negative words, and how they as a young family with the, the little guy, how they discern how they want to use words. Thanks, Mike. Well, hello, Watermark. My name is Natalie Mann. My name is Jason Mann. And this is Jason Jr. <laughs> he gets a little stage fright now and again. Um, well, today, as Mike said, words are powerful. I grew up in a girl's home. I grew up in a boy's home. So what this meant was I was taught to suppress my words. My parents didn't la allow me to articulate any negative emotion with my words. So I figured out at a very young age that I had to walk around with a lot of heaviness. Um, so I couldn't experience full joy without expressing myself with words. So I was often a very sad girl. I would say in my house, uh, there were several boys, and whether it was around food or airtime in the family, you kind of had to fight for that a little bit. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was toxic, but there was just that element of a kind of competitive environment, and you needed to articulate uh, your needs out loud. So words were a, a key part of self-expression. Mm -hmm. So I'm a trained family counselor, and I found out very, uh, very quickly in working with families and with kids that there isn't a family out there that is not dysfunctional, um, that doesn't have a problem with using words. So um, I figured out that quickly at a very young age, four or five, and in raising this little guy right now, I could say that um, Jason and I have even experienced with getting into some heated discussions around him that he's actually affected by it. Yeah, uh, actually, to be very candid, uh, I remember our first fight after we brought him home from the hospital. He was about four days old. And I don't even remember what we were fighting about, but we just went on a walk. It was great. I was thinking, this is awesome. And then... Um, Family moment. Yeah, and then something happened. And <clears throat> he started breathing kind of in a noisy way. And I was convinced we had given him asthma by stressing him out. <laughs> But it turns out he just had a little gunk in his throat and he's fine. But um, it was kind of scary, that first realization when you said, wait a second, there's this little person, they, they kind of like live in our home, which as you can imagine is small being here in Hong Kong. Yeah. And they just kind of like passively 
you know, take up all that energy, even if they can't understand all the words. Mm-hmm. And uh, why don't I share briefly about um, my, myself as a, now as a husband and dad. I would say coming out of my childhood, again, there was this, this kind of self-expression mode. So my view of words was I need to use them to make sure my needs are heard, mm-hmm. right? So Natalie needs to hear them. If, it's, if she's not hearing it, then I probably need to speak louder and get more intense. <laughs> <laughs> and all the women especially are laughing. Um, so that's not effective, obviously. And I think the biggest lesson that I, I try and remind myself is around just using words with wisdom. In other words, not just knee-jerk reaction what am I feeling that therefore needs to be blurted out mm-hmm. as some kind of distorted honesty, quote unquote, yeah. but uh, using words as a tool to say, what is the goal here? Uh, as, as a key member of this family, uh, what can I say or not say that helps our family get to a better place? And of course, when that is consistently happening, my needs have a way of getting met in the process. Um, but. Uh, yeah, why don't, why don't I leave it at that? Mm-hmm. So um, just to wrap up, I feel like I've experienced freedom with using words in my relationship with Christ and going to God's word. And so that's how I found freedom um, growing into adulthood and uh, in my own marriage and in becoming a new mother. So we definitely have a ton of work to do, don't we, honey? Yes. Um, We do not have it all together, um, but we're working hard on it. And I'd say we go to God's word to find our wisdom in using words. And so I want to encourage you guys to come on this journey with us and figure out how to use words wisely and figure that out with the Lord. So um, thank you so much. Can I share a couple quick things? So number one, you can come find us later and we'll tell you more ugly stories. Um, but number two is I just thought of two quick things that have been helpful for me. So um, growing up, part of the reason you had to articulate your needs quickly was because if things did get too heated, then mom and dad would shut it down and they'd say, we'll talk about this later. But we never talked about it later. So you kind of had to like get things out at the moment. I think I've found in our family, uh, it's sometimes helpful to not shove something under the rug, but also not just share whatever is coming out in the heat of the motion in the moment. So it's kind of this middle ground where you say, okay, there's something here. We need to address this, but we're a little bit charged right now. Let's just take a breather, and we'll take be more constructive out. later. The other thing is I have two guys in my life now who ask me regularly, how are you doing with this? Are you staying calm? Are you being a good dad and a husband? So it's helpful to be part of a team in that process. Absolutely. Thank you so much, you guys. Have a blessed week. Thank you, guys. I don't really know. Uh, I don't really know what uh, what your story is like. Um, I don't know whether you relate to much of what's what's happening. But uh, Natalie said that there is no family that's not dysfunctional. So there may be something that you can learn, even if it's like not like a childhood trauma that you're carrying with you. Even your story, there are certain things that you carry around, and you have seen that uh, words have had an impact on you and how you live your life today. And it's like that backpack that you're carrying around, that maybe something where, where you are at, or, or if words have kind of like crushed your soul um, in some part, and you really wonder like how healing comes for that and how you can step out of that again. Or maybe there are words that you said that, that you do regret and uh, that really weigh on, on you because they uh, burden a relationship and burden the way that you live. And I just want to let you know that after the service, we will have uh, our prayer team up here, 
Uh, we'll also have uh, st- the staff team around and all the, also in the back of the church. Um, we just really encourage you to um, just take the opportunity to have people speak some encouraging words in your life, to be able to get the words out of your heart that you've been stuffing down. Uh, we encourage you to just uh, let people pray for you. Um, just really get on a journey of, of healing these, these things that, that are just in, in your life. Um, so we want to now spend just a little bit more time and just uh, looking a little bit on kind of God's way of how does he help us to, uh, to see how words should be used. And so I, I want to just first go back at the Proverbs that we already looked at, but look at the other elements. So in 11.13, for example, uh, it's a gossip betrays confidence, but this one about gossip says, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. So trust is the positive value here. Um, so where the safe place that we talked about is provided, when people are depend, uh, dependable and, and faithful. So it's like that story uh, in Genesis, uh, that when we just recall the story of um, being in the presence of God and Adam and Eve struggling with uh, feeling safe, where Adam and Eve hide and they cover their shame. A little later in that story, actually, uh, God tells them that they can't go out like this and he actually makes a garment of skin for them. Uh, he knows that the world that they're going out there is a cruel place and that it can cut, crush their soul. And so God protects them and gives them that, that garment of skin. And, and I think that if you just think of your life, wondering whether you have like that one person that gives you that safety and strength that you need to walk through life, the one person that you know that will be dependable and keep the secret, uh, secret and that will be trustworthy, that will walk you through uh, a place without embarrassment and shame. I think that one person can be like that oasis in, in a desert uh, walking through life nowadays. Uh, just having that one person where um, we strip our soul naked and, and be real. Proverbs 12, 18 actually um, also has a second part. There are those who chatter on like a stabbing sword, but a wise tongue heals. So it's not only that um, words can hurt and they can be like swords, but uh, used in the right moment. So words used in wisdom, they can heal. So healing can come through words. Uh, Proverbs 15.4 in the same context says, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a harsh tongue crushes the spirit. So again, words can be crushing, but uh, when they're spoken in comfort and gentleness and peace, uh, words can lift a soul up and they can bring an encouragement. One of my favorite authors is Donald Miller. Some of you may, may know him, and he has this book called Father Fiction, and he tells that story of how he grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Uh, his father actually walked out of the family pretty early, and so he's been struggling with, with guilt and uh, feeling responsible for that and feeling like a failure. And So he looks at his life, and he always feels that there's nobody that, uh, there's no reason why I'm really here. There's no really meaning of my life, whether I would be here or not doesn't really matter at all. But in his, in his journey, he starts to meet other people, other guys in his life that begin to mentor him and they speak the truth, uh, just who God is in his life and that he is loved by God and uh, that God desires healing for, for him. And so suddenly he realizes that history would not be the same without him. And I wonder how I feel about that sometimes, whether the world would be not even noticing whether I'm here or not, whether you think of my existence, whether I'm here or not, I don't think it really matters. Or whether you would think the history of the world is not the same because I'm here. That God has a plan for you, that he has a purpose for you being here, and that he wants you to be that tree of life to other people around you and, 
and bringing renewal and reconciliation to the world. And so Donald Miller, as he starts to go through the process of realizing that, that he has meaning in his life and that God has a purpose for him and he is going through his own healing, he then begins this, this um, ministry or uh, project that he starts. It's called the Mentorship Project. And it's inspired by his own experience. The Mentorship Project is a place where he has the vision of wanting for now to raise 10,000 mentors, 10,000 adults that will be the father fathers to the fatherless. Basically, men that would step into the life of youth that are troubled, that don't have fathers, that speak into their lives, life-giving words, and they are trained to be the trees that give life to the, to the young people. And I look at this story and I wonder, how much does his life matter? And how much impact does his life bring to the fatherless? So I wonder like, how we feel about that. Do we see that we can be people that bring our life to other people? Uh, the same kind of teaching is found in the Proverbs 16.24. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. So these words spoken in graciousness and gentleness, how they can lift up and encourage. It's just all over the place. But when I look at the Proverbs, it's not just about this like nice honey-coated speech. Like it, it, may, it may feel like, oh, you know, we just have to smile all the time and, and be happy. If you look at Proverbs 24, 26, you actually see an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. So suddenly you, you see, yeah, it's about graciousness and gentleness, but there needs to be truth. It doesn't help if you're just honey-coated and, and nice and smile at people. So the question is, do we have truth-tellers in our lives? Do we have people that really know what's, what's happening in our lives that will say, you know, you messed up and you need a change? Um, Proverbs 20, 18. Plans are established by seeking advice, so if you wage war, obtain guidance. Now, I look at that um, and using that picture of the Proverbs, if you are in, in the danger of losing a battle, like maybe... Um, you're wrestling with, with a job situation, a family situation, and, and in the middle of, of advice that you are seeking, you're asking a person that doesn't tell you the truth, he just wants to be your friend. Like I have had friends in my life that um, were just always telling me, yeah, you're right, you know, you're always right. Um, you, you do good. But there was no truth in it. Like sometimes I needed to hear it's not wise. So if I have a friend and I want to go into war and I realize that battle I could probably not win, and I, I go for, for guidance, and he says, oh, you're a great leader. Like, you can do it. I'll lose everything. So truth is such an essential part that, that we need. So when I see that heartbeat of Proverbs, I see graciousness and the gentleness, but I also see truth. Now when you look at that, there is no way around that you can see that it all points to the same thing. It's the story of Christ. We look at John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, uh, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, And the Word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word... Christ spoken into being. The world that, that has been, been uh, breathing into existence by the very Christ, this word becomes flesh and he makes, it, makes his dwelling among us. Jesus Christ 
In him we see the full glory of God right here where we are. And then it says, in full, uh, the fullness of grace and truth. So hundreds of years before Christ even comes, we see the Proverbs. And the Proverbs guide us in a kingdom perspective saying, when you speak words, they need to be spoken with graciousness, but also with truth. And then 600 years later, the word becomes flesh and dwells among us in the fullness of grace and truth seen by the people. It actually reminds me of a story that um, happened to me during the time that I was, was struggling with, uh, with anxiety and depression. So there were a lot of words being said that really crushed my soul and uh, a lot of trust was broken with people. And even the people that kind of like knew me said words, but they couldn't really lift me up from where I was. Um, but there was this story that happened. One of my friends actually decided to get on the plane and flew out in the morning on one day And he met me for an afternoon, and in the evening of that day, he got back on the plane and flew back to England. He saw me for an afternoon, and um, why that story means so much to me is because it was not about the words, but it was the effort that showed that he cared. And I see that in God. I see that in his word, that he gave us words, lots of words in the Old Testament, lots of words about his graciousness and his truth and his character, But at one point he decides, it's enough words. And the word becomes flesh and he dwells among us and he walks among us and he shows us who he is. Words need to be followed by, by action and, and lived out to become real and true. And so I, I look at what Christ does and how the God of the universe becomes, the word becomes flesh and he dwells among us and there he takes on all our hurt even the hurt from all our words that have happened, our life stories, he takes it on himself and he goes to the cross and he dies for us and he shows us all his graciousness and truth. The word becomes flesh. Like No more words to say there. Uh, he steps right in the middle of our hurting and of our suffering and he shows that he cares. He identifies with our story. He identifies with our hurting and he takes it to the cross. So if you are here today and your soul has been crushed by words or if you struggle over souls that you have crushed on the way, then know that the word became flesh and in his mercy and forgiveness and grace, he died on the cross to enter a relationship and to heal the relationship with him and give you the strength to find healing in your own soul. So as we close, um, I just encourage you to not walk out today without finding some step of healing. Um, I want to emphasize that again, the prayer team will be up here. We'll sing like two songs and uh, just you know, be able to reflect and see where you are with all that. And then take the opportunity to just really talk with someone and pray with someone and, and just get out what's, what's, what's in you. And we hope that ultimately you will see that in the death and resurrection of Christ, we find the hope that this is not the end, but the kingdom perspective shows that there is a kingdom coming in which all relationships are restored. And there, reconciliation will be happening over the words that have been spoken and that have been hurtful and that have been destroying relationships. And there are people probably in heaven that we may not want to be with right now, but that's where the cross of Christ is so much greater than even the things that we want, but he reconciles things that are greater than every hurt or any hurt that we can experience. Let me pray for us. Father, we just, um, yeah, we're just uh, humbled by the reality that 
you, the word becomes flesh. And you don't stay um, in a far distance as a religion that is read in a book, but that you uh, stepped into humanity and uh, into you, right among us and that you, the word, became flesh because you care about us and that you desire um, for our relationship with you to be healed and that relationships among us would be healed and that you would uh, make the way for that. Father, I just pray for the people here today that have been hurt um, by words and that have hurt through words. That today would be a, just a time where healing would begin. Um, and we would just look at you and what you have done and um, that you would humble yourself and uh, even go to the cross for us. That that would give us um, yeah, just a motivation and an encouragement um, that you desire healing for us as well. Father, just pray for the families here, um, for the parents, that you would continue to speak a kingdom perspectives into them, that they would know that it's not about being perfect and saying the perfect words and uh, that many, many families are overwhelmed by raising kids, but that your grace and your mercy is right there and that you desire to teach um, everyone through the words that you have and that you put people in community. Um, yeah, just learn together from you and your word. Uh, so today we just uh, want to look again at the cross and um, what it means for us and that it means that uh, we can find healing in you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Mm -hmm.